So open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Ephesians chapter 6, and there are sermon notes. It's obviously Mother's Day. We're not going to be in 1 Corinthians. We're going to start here, and we know that in our culture, since 1914, we've been honoring Mother's Day. It's been since 1914 that it's been an official holiday. Anna Jarvis started it. She wanted to honor her mother. I don't know if she got the idea from a lady in the 1860s, but she started in 1908 to get Woodrow, the president, to pass this, and by 1914 she got it. But before she died, I don't know how many people know this, she absolutely regretted it because she wanted Mother's Day just to honor mom, her mother who had passed away, but then it had turned into this incredible commercial thing, even in the 19, by the 1920s. And so she wished that it hadn't turned into what, it, what the world does. And, but, you know, the Bible doesn't mandate that we have a Mother's Day, but look at Ephesians 6, 2. This is the passage I always like to remind you of. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise Verse 3, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. The idea is that we're to honor, we're to give them respect. So I have no problems taking one day, but really the reality of it is, is we're supposed to be doing this 365 days a year. And we're to give respect. And it comes out in very simple ways, from obeying them to the way you talk to them. I asked one mom what she would like from her kids. And she said, I just want them to be nice to me. <laughs> I just want them to simply be nice, share your lives, and understand that I live my life through you. And I get that. I know that, that as kids get older, we watched it with the video, there's a sense where they're trying to get their independence, and they're not always as kind as they should be. They're not necessarily saved. And so the mom said, just don't be unkind. Don't be critical. I serve you. I love you. You are never to forget it. Just be nice to me. And so I thought to myself, you know, it's interesting. Who changes? You know, when little kids are infants and toddlers, you know, they go out the door and it's, Mommy, I love you. And they give mom hugs and they're all, you know, endearing. But then they get older and it's like <laughs> the teenage kid boy can't say mom I love you can't hug mom in front of his friends and who changed who's the one that changed it's not the mom and so I think it's important that all of us remember how as God designed the woman to be different God designed the one who's the female to like the tenderness the care and how critical it is that we understand whether they are toddlers teenagers or adults to continue to show moms that affection and so as we go back to the book of genesis we remember that god made them male and female but eve her very name means the mother of living the mother of all living and god could have when he created mankind think about it because we just went through a creation conference god could have had it that we were all hatched out of eggs in the sense of, you know, an egg comes out, gets put in an incubator, and then, you know, you have no personal relationship. But the very structure of a family, the way it works, even go to the umbilical cord, the idea is there's a connection, and God wanted that. And even when kids are adopted, 
God still, as we watch the process of adoption through the Bible, to come into these family relationships where the moms love them and care for them and are very endearing to them. I'm not going to have you turn there, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's a passage I always remember. As the Apostle Paul talks about how he does ministry, he talks about at times from a male perspective, he learned how to care for people from watching a mother, the way she was gentle and kind and the way she nursed her child. Now think about that. And so we, we must remember that moms are different in a world. When I woke up this morning, I'm just overwhelmed overwhelmed by all the information that's in the newspaper the parade magazine this morning things that i saw online with news and almost everything was about gender equality and the sense of how the men and women are the same they're not there's a reason and i say this sincerely because i've joked about this in the past that more is spent on mother's day than father's day okay you win (laughs) all right but the reality of it is is Yes, most guys, and I don't think any guys like sitting there thinking, you know, but moms, they take it. It's more important to them, and that's wonderful because guess what? Men and women are different because God made them different, and, and it's so critical that we remember that, that moms are special, and everyone, if your mother's still alive, you should always treat her as special as possible. I watched my mother die, or my mother died in 1982, and every day she's with me. I think about her. And let me show you, I've never done this. I was going to think about how I could do this for everybody, but I, I'm the pastor, so I get to do it. So this is my mother. This is my mother in, can you believe it, in 19, it's got to be 1939 or 1940. I mean, what do you think she is? Like a year, two years? She was born in 1938. And so... There she is with her grandfather. I don't know, Brian, if that's Dubois, Pennsylvania, because Brian went to Dubois and bought me back some stuff that was really special, Brian. Um, But um, here she is with her doll. She had all these little dolls. (laughs) I was thinking, it's not an American doll, American girl doll. (laughs) You know, those of you who've gone through the American girl doll phase. So anyway. Um, there, there she is with her brother, Harold Cree. Harold Cree fought in World War II, and it was always hard for her when he was over um, in the Navy in the Pacific. And this is obviously, I, th- I believe, when he had come back. But uh, she's cute as ever. This is her, I can't, oh, I, I don't know how you, you can see it, as a teenager. This is her on her wedding day. Oh, that didn't come out as good as up there. But uh, happy, just like Annie, very happy. And then here she is with her favorite son right there. And then look at the little dog, just like Jojo. Okay. So I had other ones, but that will stop there. But, uh, you know, yeah, you can take it down. We just, we love our moms. And how... I know that I put her through all kinds of pain when I was a teenager. Oh, my goodness, was I stupid. And I try to tell my kids, don't be stupid and don't, you know. And for you who have the opportunity, tell your mom, that. make sure, tell your mom you love her. Today, what I want to do is work on how we can pray for our mothers 
prayer is something that I have wanted to make a priority in my life. And even in preparation for this, I can tell you, I've done many messages on prayer. And watch how this is going to come together. I, I am taking my prayer list to another level with what I did this week because I've already started this. We're going to work through some categories in which mom's jobs are very hard. And what I want you to do, I'm hoping that you'll do, is maybe you'll make a prayer list. And you'll start systematically working through this to regularly pray for moms. Um, you know, I break up my week. On Monday, I pray for everybody in this church. If you're a regular attender, I pray for you by name, pray for your children, their salvation. Tuesdays, missionaries. Wednesday, all the leaders in the church go through all the characteristics. Thursday, I mean, I'm always praying for everyone and anything. I can always split it up, but these are things I emphasize. But on Thursday, I pray for my family in a deeper way, and now I'm going to add this specific prayer list. And so just to help you understand the difficulty that moms go through. So if you would, open your, or turn in your Bibles to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. We're just going to work through theologically. This is a theological message, if you will, where I, a systematic, I think, on, I put together a whole series of thoughts that will help you to understand the difficulty of what a mom goes through. So Psalm 51, and the very first reason you need to pray for a mom is because of her children's, fill in the blank, sin and growth. This makes it hard. We know that children are born into sin, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. But it's important to also remember children are in a process of developing and moms have the primary job of dealing with that development that development is you know often a struggle as you mix the two together i don't know if you ever thought about it the fact that you've got you've got this child that's you know two years old and he or she is sinful but at the same time they are taking their food and they're throwing against the wall and you say, don't throw your food against the wall. Sometimes they know and sometimes they don't do. They, children are just learning how to handle things and maybe even handle their own anger. And, and so you've got their sin, but also, you know, as they learn to walk and they learn to, you know, talk and do other things, where does the sin start and where does just the development process go? That's a hard process for moms. And so let's work through this as a theology. First and foremost, as moms raise their kids, they deal with the fact that their kids are sinners. And here's one of the greatest psalms in the Bible regarding the confession. And David writes this. David is the author. He says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, verse 4, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, theologically, it's not that his mother did anything wrong. It was her sin. But the fact that when he started, he came out as a sinner. And I know that I've shared this before, and some unbelievers just don't get it. When your kid is born, your kid is a sinner. And your kid needs Jesus Christ. Everybody needs Jesus. And, and you know, I'm not going to go into necessarily the age of accountability, but the reality of it is, 
where you take this concept of growth and sin, we're presenting the gospel and we want to see our kids saved. And I know that, that it, one of the hardest things for a mom to do is you say, well, I can get my kid to make a profession of faith, but reality is, it is as they get older, are they really genuine? And going through that long process of waiting to see is hard on a mom. It's very, very difficult. But it's critical that every child hears this truth, that you're a sinner, the wages of sin is death, you can't pay the penalty for your sin, you can't earn it, the problem is so bad, good works, giving money to a church, being committed to a church, being a church member, having a baptismal certificate, having even a little prayer isn't what gets you saved. True belief gets you saved. True belief that Jesus came to earth, was God, he died on the cross, he paid the penalty. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. 1 Corinthians 15 goes into the detail that the end of all four gospels have is that Jesus is alive, he rose from that grave, and now by faith alone, you have to believe in it. But faith isn't mere agreement, it's a trust. It's a reliance and like I used the illustration yesterday at the wedding, you jump out of a plane with the parachute, you're trusting, you hold on to that parachute. In your heart right now, you know whether you're trusting, and that trust has resulted in you being born again. But in the development of children, you just don't know. You know, children, we watch them, they're lazy, they're rude. You know, <laughs> we were downstairs this morning during the breakfast, and one of the parents was talking about... You know, dealing with kids, and you can't get their kids to do anything. And, you know, you work at it as a parent to say, okay, you know, you got to weed, or you got to clean, or you got to do this work in the house, and you get some resistance. And so you struggle with the whole development of the growth as well as the sin. And here we realize as a mother, I don't know, if David, I, can't, I couldn't remember if David's mother was alive when this happened. But the reality of it is, if she was, when David writes Psalm 51, he's committed an incredible adulterous affair. He's worked on having one of his key men killed. And here's this guy that's after God's own heart. But it also had to kill his mother's heart, probably his father's too. We've got to always remember, as mothers deal with their children's sin, it weighs heavy on them because they care for their kids. You know, and turn over to Proverbs 22. So Psalms 22, and this is so critical that we always keep this in, you know, in the process of the, the combining of the sin and the growth. Proverbs 22, verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. How important it is to bring in discipline. But I just wanted to talk about that idea of the very fact that when you deal with foolishness in a child, you know, you're dealing with moronic things. Things that kids do that it's just sometimes, it's like, did you really do that? Right? And some of you could you know, probably give your own testimony, but I've shared before, you know, where one of my best friends, you know, he's out shooting BB guns. Now, who does this? But since I have a boy, I've watched it. Many do this. They go out and they have BB gun fights. 
And I've shared how my good friend, you know, he was with his brothers and they're having a BB gun fight. And I don't know, somewhere along the line, the one brother says to the other brother, you're not as good a shot as me. And I, he goes, I'll show you. And he goes, I can put your eye out. And that's exactly what he did. <laughs> and, and, and you sit there and you say, are you kidding me? You know, from the simple things to when, I've shared this before, is when we re- bought our new house, we remodeled it. And Becky's in the backyard gardening. I'm at the church doing premarital counseling for someone. And all of a sudden, Becky comes into the house. And through the whole time she's been gardening, our two-year-old, four-year-old daughter, four-year-old daughter was like waving, hi, mommy, hi, mommy, hi, mommy. And the whole time, she's flushing the toilet. She stuffed the toilet filled with toilet paper and flushed it like 50 times so that when Becky comes in the house, there is a stream of water not only coming through our brand new ceiling, but literally a stream of water coming down the new hardwood floor that we had spent like two, $3,000 getting remodeled. And Ellie's up there, woo! Now, is that foolishness? Is that sin? But the reality of it is, uh, I mean, you, you have kids doing crazy stupid things um i told the story i used to think it was chris zorich but it's mike zordich chris zordich was a defensive back for the chicago bears a football player for the chicago bears mike zordich was a penn state linebacker some of you guys who follow football he was my neighbor's cousin and he went on to play about 10 years in the nfl i'll never forget I'll never forget when he was like eight years old, he and his brother came over to visit my neighbor and they went into his parents' car and their parents' car was on an incline. And like any kid would like to do, they like to pretend they're driving. They, they could pop the car back then into neutral. They're eight years old, 10 years old, and they don't think, wow, the car's starting to move. I should put my foot on the brake. The, the, the driveway's on an incline. So the first thing they do, I'm sitting in my front yard and I'm watching this car start to move and two kids jump out. And the car just starts flying down the driveway up into my neighbor's yard and thankfully didn't smash into my neighbor's house. I, those kids were eight, nine, ten. My goodness, my best friend <laughs> in high school had three accidents before he was 16 three accidents by the time he, three more by the time he was 18. He did donuts on our school property and caused, when the police were eating their donuts and, 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 and just the pain that he caused his parents. And you can go on and on and on. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And so theologically, when I think about this, it makes it hard for moms. This is why you got to pray for them. Pray for their children's conversion. Pray for the wisdom. But then here's something that I think is an interesting twist. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43, 45. Isaiah 45 is so critical in understanding the difficulties that moms face. And I think this is putting together a little theology here. Is that... Isaiah 45, you may not think about what does this have to do with Mother's Day message, is that, I'll read it, 
God is speaking. He's making promises to Israel about how he's going to be there for them. And he makes this thing and he says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you though you have not known me. Listen, moms are not gods. Moms don't know everything. Moms don't always give the best discipline. Moms don't always have the right insight. They give wrong advice. They give too excessive discipline. They, you know, they, they don't know. You've got two kids. One kid comes and says, look what little Johnny did. And Sally goes, I didn't do anything. Well, Johnny's lying out his teeth. God would know that, but mom doesn't. So mom punishes both of them. And, and if you've got a little brat named Sally who knows how to really lie, Johnny gets in trouble all his life. And I've known kids that have ha- that has happened to. Moms aren't God. And so sometimes parent, kids can get so frustrated with their mothers. And there's the big joke that moms have eyes in the back of their head. I was going to put a picture up this morning. I saw this thing online where, you know, this mo- the beauty of a mother it was under and it was a mom who had this beautiful hair but in the back of her head were two eyeballs <laughs> okay because moms you know sometimes they joke that mom's got that the eyes behind the head well mom do moms do have a good intuition okay but the reality of it is is they don't always know and kids inherently know how to lie Oh, Henry's not here. I'm going to tell this anyway. Henry, Henry wouldn't mind. I know this. Henry tells me, Henry Frickle told me this story this week. And he goes, Mike, he goes, you just, you, you don't even have, have to teach a kid to lie. And he told me about how when he was like five years old, he had the opportunity. He, he, they had those cameras and cameras had film back then. And so he was up at his grandmother's house. Well, he, he lived with his mom and his grandmother. And he said that he, his grandmother had taken video film of him doing these figure eights, and he really wanted to see it. And so grandma's asleep, and he goes in, and he took the brownie camera out, took all the film out, and he's like pulling it and pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. And he says, where, I don't see the pictures. So now I've got to put it all back. And he starts shoving it into the camera, and it won't work. So he comes up with this better idea. I'm going to shove it under grandma's favorite chair. Grandma wakes up. Grandma wakes up. Sits in the chair. Says there's something wrong. Long story short, she pulls it up and she sees all this film. Like what's up? Henry goes. She goes, Henry, come in. Henry comes in. What happened? Grandma, when you were asleep, my cousins all came over. And I couldn't believe that they took the camera and they threw this in. And grandma's like looking at Henry like, and, and, and the aunt didn't stay. They didn't come and wake me up. But Henry goes, he goes, Mike, I just knew instinctively how to lie. Mothers have to deal with this all the time. And mothers aren't God. And this is why we need to pray for them. And I'll just draw it down. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 says, don't worry about tomorrow, right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. The reality of it is, is, is what mothers deal with their children doesn't end when they're teenagers or 20-year-old, 50-year-old, 60. I've had 90-year-old mothers worry about their 60-year-old sons and 70-year-old daughters, right? So this is why, please, you know, let's pray for moms. 
Let's be very effective. Let's be a church that gets really hard to work on this. Pray for moms. Second, her, mother, her marriage is not perfect and impacts her being a mom. Turn to Ephesians 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, you get this instruction. It's often used at weddings. I didn't use it yesterday, but it's a good one. In Ephesians chapter 5, there's this series as the Apostle Paul is telling how a family is to work. But when he comes to verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And then it says, husbands, verse 28, ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Do you know how, what this is calling for us to do as husbands? We're called to be people who are like perfect, like Christ, to be sacrificial. But husbands are sinners too. Remember Romans 3.23. And even if we're saved, we're not perfect. And, and when you go through this process of two becoming one, the reality of it is, the struggle, because even in this passage, look in verse 31, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That passage is repeated again. That outdated passage from the world, which is, we know as Christians is so relevant, but that idea of two becoming one, a mother is first and foremost a wife. And when her relationship is struggling, it impacts the kids and the kids know it and the kids see it. And, and so there's this ongoing battle, and even if Genesis 3 talks about how uh, you know, Eve's desire will be for her husband, and I've always said it's her desire for control. And so if you don't have a good leader as a husband, that's going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, that's going to skew the marriage. And there's so much pressure within this situation. And that's why it's so important. I don't know if you guys know, I pray for your marriages because it is critical for your families because in the, your children you want the mother and the father to have a good relationship and there is a reality of how a woman has wisdom i know there's a movie is it how to train a dragon wives how to train your husband <laughs> and i'll never forget when we first got married i knew what you were doing after a couple months, <laughs> I would drop clothes on the floor. And, and, and then I'd come home at night, and they were still there. No one was picking them up. And after a while, I got it, oh, I'm supposed to pick them up. Because somewhere along the line, some godly other wife must have told my wife, if you don't start, you let, you pick them up from the beginning, he'll always think that he could drop his clothes everywhere. So, how to train your husband, all right? But you go through this. You can go through the imperfections, and then on top of that, you've got in-laws. And, and you know, I told, I've always said, I've been blessed, really good in-laws, got it. But I know many people have very, very difficult in-law relationships. That's why a couple years ago, there was a TV show called Everybody Loves Raymond, and it was one of the most popular shows on television. And the lead character, Raymond, had a mother who was an absolute terror to Raymond's wife. And, you know, I think the reason it was so popular is so people could relate. And I'll always remember there was one time, you know, 
the lead character married to Raymond was called Deborah, and Deborah wanted to make a wonderful dish just like mom always made for Raymond. And so she goes to the mom and says, Would, you know, give me the recipe. And then she gives her the recipe. Raymond is all excited, and he goes to eat it, and it doesn't taste the same. Well, long story short of that episode is that the mother leaves out a key ingredient because she doesn't want the daughter-in-law to be thought of as endearing as her. And, you know, that's a light one. My goodness, some people have dealt with some horrific in-laws, and it impacts the marriage. And so this is why we've got to pray. We've got to pray for our mothers because the mothers recognize if their marriage isn't right, the kids are seeing it. And if the kids are seeing it and things aren't working out right, then they know those kids are going to be negatively impacted. How important is it for us to pray for them? Third, her work is cursed. Turn to Genesis 3. Her work is cursed too. Okay? And here's something that I think is really interesting. When we think theologically of the fall in Genesis chapter 3, When we come to the judgment for Adam, Genesis chapter 3, the curse goes on and it says, let me see where it is, we'll pick up, verse 17 to Adam, he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I've commanded you, saying you shall eat from it, cursed is the ground because of, of you, in toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because you were taken from it, for you are dust, and the dust you shall return. So theologically, that's often taught, you know, the woman's trial was, you know, that she's going to have pain in childbirth that was given up earlier. But now, you know, the man goes out and he toils, and it's going to be hard. Well, we got to remember theologically, the whole ground, the whole earth is cursed. It's going to hurt his work, but it's also, the wife is part of this world, and her work, the things that she's doing, is going to be impacted. So sometimes she's going to cook a meal, and the, the meat's not going to be right. Even if she does everything perfect, it's not going to work out. Sometimes she's going to burn the toast or whatever, and she's going to feel the impact that I didn't get a good meal. She's going to, over and over, have things break down at the most inopportune time, just like things will happen in the man for the man. And so we have to remember, because she carries the weight of all of this, it carries so much pressure on her. And so what was I thinking? Um, Oh, and I won't because of time's sake. Proverbs 31, you go through this entire long list, and I'd encourage you, from Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, there's like 20-some responsibilities that a wife has to do. And on top, if her work is cursed, things aren't always going to work out. And the struggle, as one mom said, is, is I try to do things for myself and then my family was always wondering where I am. <laughs> and, and, and it's a balance that a mom has. To keep that, to keep that balance is absolutely very, very frustrating for moms. 
And I've talked enough of them to know as they go out and they do things, their world breaks down too. And quickly, just for time's sake, turn in your Bibles. Let's turn to Proverbs 31. And fill in the blank, her beauty, her beauty is valued outwardly rather than inwardly far too often. Um, Proverbs 31 ends with this great line. Proverbs chapter 31. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. So charm, you know, the exterior, how you do things, beauty, it's empty. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. But here's the reality. The, we know when, as Christians, we're said, do not love the world, the things of the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's of the world. But we live in a world that, like Parade Magazine today, has Christy Brinkley, who's a 64-year-old supermodel on the cover with the line, the perfect mom ever. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, how much pressure this puts on women. We live in a world that values the wrong things. As I was sharing, I was reading articles this morning, even this morning, and shows the warpness of how our world operates and how they think about what is valuable, what is true, and what is good. And so they were asking these women on, I think through, I think it was through USA Today, they're, they're, about what, is, what, what makes a really good woman, which would in essence make a really good wife. And so they went to Bruce Jenner. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, now, wait, you got to listen. For those of you who don't know, Bruce Jenner is a man who became a woman. And so now they're going to this woman and asking her what it means to be a woman. And he goes on and talks about the fact that, you know, what I really value in a woman is strength. And I don't like, like, weak women. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> what, is it in 1 Peter chapter 3? You know, the gentle, quiet spirit in a woman? And here you've got a man who says, I think we need more strong women who's acting like a woman. And I'm thinking, how many girls are reading that this morning? Thinking that this is where you get the characteristics and the traits of a, of a, of a woman. And I know that we live in such a flipped out world because as much as we want to say we value character, the world is going to bombard women all the time so that when we all watch that video before and the guys, one guy says, do you think these, these, my, my thighs are fat or whatever? Most people could relate because women are always under that pressure. They're always under that pressure because they know and it doesn't even matter that when we know so many of these magazine covers are fixed because it's, it's come out so many times, whether it's been this Tyra Banks or this Oprah Winfrey, they put themselves on the cover of magazines and then they have their thighs airbrushed out or they have themsel- their hips airbrushed out. And these women are looking at these things and they're going through the checkout counters and they're wondering, why can't I look like that? Well, from that show that I love, I liked, 
everybody loves Raymond. Patricia Heaton was this 40-year-old mom who was absolutely beautiful. And you think, well, she's a nice, you know, pretty, like they showed her as a stay-at-home mom. But she was on some talk show host, and she goes, you know, they said, like, well, how, how, how do you stay so fit, so, so, such a good shape? She goes, are you kidding me? I've had like four or five plastic surgeries. She's least honest about it. And we have to pray for women because men, just because we, can, we tell them, we love you, you're beautiful, the reality of it is you're hearing this so that you have no excuse, you need to understand that you need to pray for your wives and you need to pray for moms so that they understand and it's got to be a spiritual issue that we're supporting them. So, four areas to pray for. Their children, their husbands, the things they do in the home, the things they deal with the world as the world treats them. But you know, the thing that I see over and over and over, and if I can get to my notes here, is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt through all these pressures and all these overwhelming responsibilities I know that a godly mom wouldn't trade her role for anything. Yeah, it's hard. But moms realize they have a unique relationship with their children that a dad never will, nor any friend or spouse. And so moms, you got to understand, there's a jealousy that we have. You have a hard job, but a privileged one. There's going to be sporting events throughout this summer. What do people hold up? The signs on TV. Hi, mom. They don't put out hi, dad. Because moms, you have a there's this unique relationship moms get the flowers on mother's day they get the praise for making a house a home and those that honor the lord there's a special blessing and i think it would be so important that every mom gets that blessing because they know jesus christ and they're born again because i think when you're a born again mom it brings even more blessing so if you're visiting today and you don't know whether you're born again you don't know if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, listen, you must turn from sin and turn to Jesus. You must realize that the only way to be the fulfilled and complete mom that you can be is when you finally come to the Lord. And no mom is perfect. I got that. But the reality of it is, is every mom has sinned. Every mom has offended God. And every one of her children has too. And everybody needs Jesus. And I would pray that everybody here would become a believer. And then every child then would say, I need to turn to Jesus too so that I could be the child. My goodness, I'm telling you, as much as I love my mother, I said, I was a jerk. I, I, I don't know if you guys know, but I have a haunting memory of when I was like 17 years old and the car didn't work and instead of me getting out there and fixing it, I blame my mother. And that, you know, I was just selfish. I didn't grow up in a church, but I sure wish I would have. And I sure wish I would have known that it, I could become a believer at 13 or 14 or 15 years old and turn my life, and then I wouldn't have these bad memories. So I'm t- encouraging you, and I would pray that you would all become right with the Lord. And I think every mom that would hear, you know, mom, I'm finally right with God, that would be one of the greatest Mother's Day gifts ever.
And since all of you are children of someone, wouldn't it be great if you were all saved and all could tell your mother today, Mom, I love you, and you know Jesus is important to me, and I hope he's important to you. Let's pray. Lord, on this day, we are so thankful of the way you structured family. It's not an accident. You've given us these people called moms that are special in our lives. I do pray that today opens some children's eyes to say, I need to be kinder to my mom. I need to open and share my, mom's li- my life with my mom. I need to be there for her because she is more tenderhearted. I need that, to give that to her. And I hope, God, that maybe some children are realizing they are snots, they are brats, they are sometimes mean to mom because they're not walking right with you. And if these children need to get saved, I pray that they would. But some of us, even as adults, can look back like I can and say, there are just so many regrets I have. And I know that I wouldn't have them if I would have gotten saved. And maybe some of you haven't gotten saved yet. Please turn to the Lord today. And what a blessing for those that have wonderful memories of godly moms, times with moms that meant everything. I am so thankful that I was able to say one week before my mother died, Mom, I love you. And I was able to hold on to that. Please, Lord, how I pray that everyone here would say that to their mom and have that as a regular practice and not just leave it to the three- and four-year-olds. We pray for our moms because their work with their children is so hard, balancing the sin and the growth. The relationship with a husband is so important, and we pray for the wives who are moms. And we pray, God, for the moms and all the difficulties they face. I'm asking, God, that as husbands, as they maybe even take out Proverbs 31, they take, think about how the woman searches for the food from afar, how she prepares clothes, how she works and serves and helps, we now say, people in the church, the difficulties they go through to pray effectively for their, their work, the balance, the time, the constraints, let alone the curse that's on their work because it's in this world. And then for right hearts, God. Oh, God, give the women of this church a confidence that we value that which is on inside far more than we value that which is on the outside. And we know, Lord, that you've put in women a desire for beauty. You've put it in them that it is natural that they want to appear nice. And so, Lord, bless them to that extent. Help them where they need the help or whatever ways they can Get the adornment that they want. We do pray that. Please, Father, I hope that the men and women here don't miss it. For even women need to be praying for their mothers along these same areas. I pray that we see much fruit out of these prayers in the years to come. And I do hope that maybe someone today has become a believer in Jesus Christ. If you need to turn to Jesus, just call out to him and say, Christ, come into my life. I'm a sinner. I'm not the person. I'm not the child I need to be. I'm not the mother. Maybe I'm not the father who's supporting a mother that I need to be. Help me, God. I believe that Jesus is God and man. 
I believe that he died on that cross to pay the penalty that I owed and that he's alive now. I want to be with him. I want to be right. I want to walk right. Oh God, how I just would pray that right now you're working on someone's heart to give them that faith and it's very clear the step they need to take. And they could be the child of the God who made us in the image of male and female. In Christ's name, amen.